Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. So much to talk about this week. Big news from Mayday Parade and Taking Back Sunday. But first, we're going to talk about rising emo scene rapper Nothing Nowhere and his debut major label album. Let's go. Looks like we are getting new Ariana Grande Friday. Are you pumped? I'm sure as hell pumped, man. Do you think she could top side to side? Oh, yeah, totally, dude. I don't even think that's one of her best songs. Really? All right. Yeah. We're going to have to see. I'm excited. Yeah, she's going to come with the heat, I think, though. I think it's going to be a big one. All right, um, let's let's do some listener questions. Um, our first question comes in from listener Thomas A., who writes into notestine.gmail.com. Thomas says, how come you guys haven't covered the Wonder Years? Going all the way back to the brand new style marketing of sending out Mysterious 7 Inches, the secret coordinates on Google Maps to get a password, to watch a trailer, ETC. This is all good stuff you never covered. Talk about the Wonder Years. So, our bad. Like, um, <laughs> yes. It's like... The band's new album, Sister Cities, just came out, and uh, to the band's credit, they had a huge first week. Uh, what did they sell, Tyler? Like 21,000 copies? 21,000 traditional. Um, was it like, what, 22 with streaming? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. maybe 1K increase with streaming. So, you know, it's like we just kind of never got around to talking about it. And, you know, coming off of uh, No Closer to Heaven, that record was like a, was a, there was a lot of hype with that record. And so much so that, like, we put the band on the cover at EP mm-hmm. and giving up like the wonder years a cover is kind of risky because just putting a dude like soupy on the cover of a magazine, you know, a dude who looks like him. It's not necessarily your best shot at selling a magazine. Unfortunately, people want to see pretty striking images. And we just got a bunch of regular dudes on the cover of a magazine. It, <laughs> it doesn't really, it's not the best thing. No, and, it doesn't um, sell. But that's how much we believed, and that's how big the hype was. We gave the one Deers a cover for that album. That album, ultimately, it, it was kind of a disappointment. And um, I think I, I personally had just kind of written the band off after that. Like, I thought um, I did not see this kind of a comeback coming. And I didn't really see any hype about this new album anywhere. I um, saw a lot of backlash. About it. Yeah. None of my friends were talking about it, but... You know, shouts to them. They come out of nowhere and um, they pull off a huge first week, you know, 21,000 copies. That's nothing to fuck with. Like, they're kind of like, hey, we're still kind of on top in a way. I mean, they outsold, you name it. They pretty much outsold them, man. Of Mice and Men, Sleeping with Sirens, you name I Prevail. I mean, they just outsold them. How much? So my question here is how much do you think Hopeless double counted the vinyl? Um, You know, I... I don't know if it's so much the vinyl double count here that matters. Like, I feel like the reason we weren't seeing hype for this record is because I think the Wonder Years have gotten to that point now where maybe sort of like like the Menzingers, like they just have their own fan base now. Okay. And they're very insular. And I, I think that's kind of what happened here. Like, you know, there was so much hype around the greatest generation and stuff because that was right. such a good pop punk album. The pop punk, pop punk community was swarming around it. But... You didn't see that for this record. Um, I think the Wonder Years just have their core legit diehards like Brand New do. 
they're just going to show out for them. And this band is, you know, carved themselves out a career. That said, I really fucking hate this record. I Holy shit. I can't stand it. There wasn't one um, redeemable track on here for me. But I guess so my follow up question is, or maybe more so of just a statement about the Wonder Years as a whole. They're not growing anymore, right? No, I, I think they've just they've found their their sort of their lane. Right. They've carved out exactly. a sustainable lane. It's like they've got that core loyal fan base that is going to carry them. Yeah, they're not growing. Um, you know, it's like it's like, the greatest generation is like my favorite one year's record. And I just think they're really good at making that kind of pop punk music. Um, I don't think they're good at making this sad indie rock. It's not that I think <laughs> they should have to make pop punk. It's just that I think it's what they're good at. You know, if they were good at making this sad emo rock, I'd be all about it, but they're just not good at making this kind of music, and that, that that's why I don't like the record. It's like a, it's like a four, three and a half. Out of 10 <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, like I, it's a hard fucking listen. There's only one song I like on it, and that's "We Look Like Light," um, which oh is actually a pretty good song. God, it's the only man. song I like. You so if you give it underneath, you gave the "Sleeping with Sirens" album a fucking four. Oh, I'll listen to that. I'll listen to fucking. Uh, I'll listen to gossip all day over this. Get the fuck out of here, man! I this is not "Sleeping with Sirens" this bad, is, dude. Dude, this is worse. This is no. this is just this is so hard to get through, man. There's it's it's one song all the way through. Like it, you know what I mean? Agreed, but at least it's actually listenable. That that Sleeping with no. Sirens album is unlistenable. There are some fun moments in that. There are at least some moments on that <laughs> album that wake wake. <laughs> we're, all right, we're not going to turn this into a fucking sleeping <laughs> album. The album we've been arguing about for like six months now. But right. um, um, yeah, I just I didn't. This all right. I'm at was, about a. I'm be, I'm in between a four and a half and a five. Yeah, pretty awful. Listen to get. But there. if um, you like this album, we're happy for you. Yeah, very happy for you. Happy for the band. Um, and, you know, we didn't meet. It wasn't like we were writing this band off because we didn't like music anymore. I just we just didn't see the hype. So, Not you know, now that we're aware that this band kind of is more viable than we thought they were, they're kind of still on top in their little sphere. We will definitely be keeping more of an eye on them going forward. Absolutely. Our next bit of feedback comes from listener Amanda R. Amanda writes... I am following up on your comment on the new Five Seconds of Summer music. I have an issue with the comparison of their first album to their new music. When they first came out, they were riding on the publicity they got from being associated and touring with One Direction. They are now trying to find their own identity as a band without the popularity they gained from One Direction fandom. While I do feel they are trying to sound a lot like Maroon 5, I think Want You Back is a good pop song. Their newest song, Young Blood, is another good pop jam. Perfect for the summer. Anyways, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. I it's funny, like I don't did we did we really go after five seconds of summer that hard when we talked about Want You Back? I don't think we did. Not, like No, not I, too hard. You know, like I, I don't listen. You know, this band they tried, they were characters and they tried to make a rock album. They took their shot and they kind of blew it. And I don't really think what you see here is a band trying to carve out their own identity so much as the record label and the producers have taken over here <laughs> and now are transitioning the band into a Spotify-friendly EDM popcore band. That's right. all that's really happening. They, they, right. the, the band are no longer seemingly in control of their music, and I don't think they necessarily want to be. You know, they saw that, 
she's kind of hot. Well, that was a fun song. That whole record cycle didn't really work for them. And now they're trying to make Spotify pop essentially. And I actually, I really, I actually really do like Want You Back. I think it's a really good pop song. I've come, come around on it. And if we get a chance to, we will talk about Youngblood later in the uh, episode. Definitely. Yeah. So they're going through a pivot and that's really what we kind of based all of our five sauce talks around so far on the show in 2018 is that this band isn't going to be a pop punk band anymore. They're going to be a pop band like that's that's where they're at right now. And I totally agree with you. Like I have honestly come around on Want You Back a lot more than I like it now a lot more than I did when it first came out. Yeah. It's, it's still a good, it's a good dark, pop jam. dark pop jam for sure. It's still the intro. I can't get over the intro. <laughs> they're ripping <laughs> off the Logic song so much right there. Who's ripping and, off the 21 Pilots song? Who's, who's ripping, ripping off, off the, the right, <laughs> right, exactly. The domino effect. And yeah, yeah it, I get like pretty strong 1975 vibes from it, it, it but it is a solid song. It's um, it's at number 24 on pop radio right which now which is like, more than they did on their last album so yeah this is their kudos. biggest hit since uh and i actually hear on the radio it's their biggest hit since she looks so perfect so it's working for them i just i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't like give this band any kind of like authenticity credit here like, <laughs> they, they are a vessel at this point you know they are a vessel and a platform that producers and a record label is trying to push music through exactly. these guys did not learn how to write this kind of music you know what i mean this isn't like right, a, a stylistic right. choice this was this is something that is is very planned and orchestrated totally i do hope we get to talk about their new song because i uh spoiler alert i'm kind of about it all right all right Tosh sharp well we thank amanda and thomas for writing in if you have any questions feel free to send them into notes seen at gmail.com and we will happily discuss them on the show but we got to move on tyler sharp and we got to get to our main story this week which is the emo rapper nothing nowhere he released his new album ruiner um which is out on fuel by ramen this is his first major label album kind of this follows reaper which came out on evr with a little help from Pete's label, right? Uh, Pete Wentz's DCD2 label. Yep. And then before that, he released uh, Bummer, which was, that was independently released, right? Yeah, he released a ton of music independently okay. before Reaper. So, uh, you know, he kind of came on our radar, like, uh, well, Tyler put me on him, actually, but he signed Equal Vision Records, and that was kind of like his introduction into our, our music scene, and got a lot of hype. Um, he had a pretty good A&R backing him, and, um, now he's since then signed to Feel by Ramen, you know, huge label. He's gained a big following. He's got over 600,000 Spotify followers in like less than a year, which is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. He's really, it's really, just, it's happening. He had a profile in the New York Times, which that's a really big fucking deal mm-hmm. for anyone from this scene. Like the only band I can think of from this scene that got wrote up in the New York Times is Paramore, you know, and they went full indie with the last record. So you got to kind of take that into consideration they were on uh, nothing no, nothing nowhere was on the cover of rock sound magazine like to get your own cover on a magazine that's huge big label it's happening you know what i mean the hype the hype is there you can definitely feel it around nothing nowhere and i think this album is very interesting it's it's really interesting album yeah and i feel like the the upslope has been increased with it yeah, and so uh, before we get in the album, I just kind of mm-hmm. want to go over like the backdrop of what we have going on here. Like emo rap is sort of this thing that's been been happening. Um, it really kind of pioneered. I'd say Lil Peep was kind of the pioneer here and the brightest star. And um, Lil Peep's dead now. Um, we recorded a tribute episode to him that I'd recommend you listen to if you have any curiosity in emo rap and Lil Peep. But you had uh, people like Peep 
fusing emo music with rap, and it was just this amazing thing. And you have another rapper who's very problematic called XXX Tentacion, who's also sort of, I'd say, the standard bearer of uh, emo rap right now. And then on, you also have Lil Xan, who's kind of more of like a meme than he is an actual rapper. <laughs> <laughs> but also just in that emo rap camp. But what's interesting is these are XXX, Lil Peep, Rest in Peace, Lil Xan. These are emo rappers who are people coming from hip-hop into emo, right? Whereas Nothing Nowhere is the first case where you have like someone from emo coming into hip-hop. You know what I mean? It's like the reverse. He's coming from our scene into hip-hop. He's been the only notable SoundCloud rapper to come from, like you said, the Warp Tour alternative press scene and go into SoundCloud rap, basically. You know, we, we just, for whatever reason, we haven't seen scene labels picking up SoundCloud rap artists. Equal Vision was the first one, which, again, shouts to their A&R for looking out. But it, I'm not sure if you and I talked about him on the show much last year, but we questioned it. We were not oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. We were not sold on Nothing Nowhere. It felt very safe when he released two Lucy's last year. I think it was Clarity and Kerosene and Hopes Up, I think, was was the other single yeah. that they had out before Reaper dropped. But when he dropped the title track to or the lead single from Reaper, I think it's uh it's called Scully. We were we were sold. Like that yeah, we were sold at that, that point. shit bangs, and man. To give you like perspective, like emo rap, it this it, it sounds jokey to say, but like it's fucking happening. Like it is Lil what Peep it is, was about yeah. Lil Peep was about to be one of the biggest stars in the world. He right. had backing from everyone like Eminem's agent including. He had just massive backing. XXX Tentacion look up all his issues before you get into his music he's allegedly done some terrible things but he's like the third most streamed artist on spotify consistently right behind you know post malone drake or or um you know cardi b switch switch them up at any given moment xxx is right there as one of the most like With streamed sad. artists right there yeah sad, literally sad his lead single is called sad it's an emo rap song so emo rap is happening and Nothing Nowhere enters it at a very interesting time. And this is where we get, you know, his first major label album on Fueled by Ramen, which, um, you know, that was an interesting move, them sort of swiping him up. But um, Ruiner, Tyler Sharp, um, I guess let's just like, in a nutshell, what are your feelings on the album? You know, and I'll tell you mine and we'll just kind of go through this. Ruiner feels like Nothing Nowhere's most cohesive effort front to back and it really feels more low-key like a lot of these songs are just low-key bangers but you have songs like hammer which is the obvious hit songs like rejector um vacaner to a lower extent sayer and ruiner these songs are very low-key they're not incredibly boastful in any type of way like the instrumentals and uh the beats and whatnot are very emo in nature and then he either delivers his yeah he has he's like a chameleon he has a lot mm-hmm. of different approaches to vocal techniques yeah. he can rap he can sing he can go into a bunch of different zones and i feel like that diversity while also being incredibly cohesive like i said this album feels like his most coherent one front to back and although there's misses, like I feel like Reminiscer, just that song kind of doesn't necessarily fit together, although I think the hook is great. Like it, it kind of feels separate from the rest of the song. I think this is exactly the step he needed to go in. And I'm a little disappointed that they didn't lead with Hammer because when you listen to the record, it's so obvious that that's the hit. That was the secondary yeah. single that they released. Um, but overall, 
I'm super happy with this record. Nothing Nowhere has got a bright as hell future, man. Um, so where are you at? What's your score on the record? So I'm at an 8 out of 10. Wow. 8 out of 10. Banger status. I was not expecting to be bagging Nothing Nowhere this hard. Like okay, last so, summer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have... I like this album to a point. I have a lot of problems with this record. Really? I find it very problematic. So, yeah. So I want... I want to start with the good things first about this record, just before I get into all of my issues with it, and we can kind of we can kind of talk through it. Okay. Um, you know, like when when I when we first heard um, "Nothing Nowhere" and you showed them to me, I was like, "This kind of just feels like safe space, like little peep." Like mm-hmm. that was my impression. Like this is like it's like SoundCloud emo rap, but it's it's not dangerous enough. It's like kind of kids boppy in its own way. And that really turned me off to it. But when it really started to click for me was after the Feel by Ramen signing, I started thinking of it more as less safe space little peep and more like dangerous 21 pilots. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is kind of like a grittier, more underground emo rap thing for that maybe 21 pilots fans can get into. It can kind of bring them down to that level. That was sort of that angle makes Nothing Nowhere much more interesting to me. Um, Both Ruiner and Reaper are decent albums to me, but like they're not totally great. Um, the, the the case with with um, with his albums to me is like he usually only strikes gold on a few tracks. Mm. Like for me, you know, there's a lot that's unmemorable, and like Houdini and Scully are the two that on Reaper for me that just mm. like really hit off. Like those two are my favorites. Um, and Hammer and the title track, um, Ruiner. Um, and Reminiscer are the standouts to me on this record. Whereas I don't think a lot of the songs in this album come close to what I think are the standouts. So that's sort of one of the issues um, I have. But I do like those songs. And I love the character of the Reaper mm-hmm. that he's created. Just the sort of world building he's doing. He's always referencing this like menacing character, the Reaper, that sort of haunts him. But at the same time, there are times in his songs where he will, he will own being the Reaper. You know what I mean? He will sort of swag out like he is the Reaper, which I think is really interesting, kind of like in a way admitting he is exactly what he hates. I think that's a really interesting duality he plays with this character, the Reaper. And I just love how sort of the interesting world building you got going on. He's like he's almost there. Like he's definitely on to something. But something really rubbed me the wrong way about this record. And I'm going to try to like break it down. Okay. Like there's both a lyrical and a sonic sheen over this record. Mm-hmm. It's too glossy, like in mm. both ways. Um, sonically, the songs sound too pretty to me. Like there's not enough chaos and distortion for what we kind of have come to known as emo rap. Like I think we need less guitars here, more beats, more experimentation. You know, like if you some of these songs dude could be like emo revival records off run for cover bands Absolutely. You know what I mean? if not for the bars and i think that kind of needs to be left behind and um so the sonics are that's more my minor issue my more major issue is lyrically it's very glazed over and very vague while addressing like some serious issues like suicide and depression and like i don't you know it's hard to question an artist, but it really started to feel like it could possibly be like disingenuous and like illegitimate to me, like what he's talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, he's plagued by all these problems that he never really gets specific or gets into like on Reminiscer, which I think is a beautiful song. He's insane and he doesn't want to hurt anymore. 
but why? Like, why are you insane, man? Like, tell me something, fam. Tell me something fucked up you did. Like, he says, too late to save my sanity. Literally, why? What have you done? You know what I mean? Like, what? Give me something. Give me some texture. Give me some color. On better, he doesn't want to grow up. That's essentially, like, the summation of that song, lyrically. And does this warrant the kind of theatrical depression he's masquerading under? You know, these are real problems people have. And I just think, like, coding that around something as simple as I don't want to grow up, you know, is is a little just a little suspect to me um hammer you know that that's a good song i really enjoy um that's obviously like you said the hit but you know he was the nerd outcast and now he's flexing because he made it um a little bit cliche lyrically there um <laughs> i you, knew you, you were know, gonna go there he says you know and I, yeah. I mean he said yeah i did it all on my own no promo uh you didn't really do it on your own on your own. <laughs> you had a really good anr you know you have really good label backing let's slow down there you know um on charger He's thinking about his problems, which, uh, not Charger, I'm sorry, Changer. On Changer, he's thinking about his problems. That's how we open the song. The problems which are never mentioned or elaborated on in any way in the song. Um, Ruiner, which is a fucking great song. I love the vocal switch off between his highs, mm-hmm. his lows, and like his haunting highs there. When he gets in that high level like of rapping, he has like this strange... like like serpentine delivery kind of snaky you know what i mean when he gets high like that and i really like that about the song but it's uh you know it's like he has he gets into this little cliche here just want to let you know I'm not alone and uh who can relate like logic like are we going there you know what i mean like that's fine who can relate? And he drops he drops suicidal thoughts in the song like like a fashion statement and i i don't like that so uh, you know that's 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 mostly lyrical issues. Another sonic issue I just have is there. He's gotten better about. There's a couple times where he falls into that trap of overpronounced white boy rap core. Like mm-hmm. I'm a white rapper. In case you didn't know, you know what I mean. And it's like ah, uh, you gotta tone that back, man. But uh, yeah, man, I've been going off. Um, any responses? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, to an extent, I do agree with you on the vagueness, but I still feel like it is very self-aware, you know? He says in, I can't remember what song off the top of my head, I should have taken this as a note, but there's a lyric on the album where he says, you know, I talk about killing myself in every one of my songs and I don't want to do it. Like, why do I do that, you know? So I don't necessarily think he owes us a... Yeah, but like on this album, he doesn't say he's going to kill himself in any song. So it's like, what? You know, again, with with the vagueness, it's... Yeah, but I don't know. Do you know. really talk about that in your songs, man? Or are you just saying that as a, as a flexy lyric, you know, to look emo cool? I mean, that's totally an angle you can approach the discussion at. But at the same time, someone who's depressed, <laughs> you know, they don't owe anyone an explanation. I do. I do agree with that. But it's like, you know, there's there's just certain ways you don't owe it. But like Sonny Moore and from first to last can write a song about his experience with rape and get it across why he's, you know, depressed. Like, um, Ronnie Radke can write a whole album about drug addiction and get it across why he's depressed. You know, even Austin Carlyle can fucking write a song about his mom dying. You know, like there are ways you can get 
your message more across and close this distance between you and the fan lyrically, I feel like. So do you think it's more so a strategic point to be that way? Or is it the fact that he's just a young lyricist? That's, that's, that, that's kind of the thing here. I'm not really sure, you know, like no substance abuse issues mentioned, no real traumatic events mentioned. There's like two Uh, curses on the album. I don't necessarily agree Um, with your angle on that. All, all we have is that he doesn't want to grow up and he had a bad breakup. That's all we can really pull away from this record. Like, that's it? Like, come on, Reaper. Like, put it on tape. Like, why are you so fucked up? Uh, Tell me what's wrong. Yeah. Tell I me don't... something you did that makes you feel like this terrible of a person that you have to coat yourself in this, like, tragic melody. I just don't... I get I, it. I, I don't... You know, I don't want to accuse... I don't want to accuse him of faking, but it it, it, it makes you want to kind of question the intention and the legitimacy here. I get it because at the end of the day, he is selling a product and these songs are the product. But again, I got to stand by my statement that, you know, people who are depressed and people who are going through shit don't owe anyone an explanation. I, so, I totally I totally agree. I just worry that I, I don't want to see that sort of mode being used in a profiteering way you know and mm-hmm. totally. it just, i yeah i and totally I, see and that i feel side. like the artists who do it you just you kind of know like you don't get these old bells and i, I got i got some alarm but like i i felt kind of ambushed like dude i gotta ask you like sir, just this is gonna sound crazy but i gotta ask and i gotta have it debunked is this guy like Loki, a fucking stealthy gospel rapper? <laughs> and like, yo, 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 and like, listen, like, no shots at gospel rap, all right? Like, shouts to Lecrae getting those number one, and sh- shouts to Drake even, you know what I mean? But like, is 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 that is there something like that going on here with this guy? Did you really pick I... up like NF vibes? Are you just are you is just... there something going on? Like, just tell me I'm crazy. I think so. I didn't get okay. any vibes like that. Okay. I think you may have been okay. listening to a little bit too much of NF lately. <laughs> yeah, then. <laughs> so sad. I got. I just like it, there's something that felt kind of sneaky and like a little bit of a trap on this record. Man, and I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel that at all. You know, I didn't dive too much into the thematics of it. I just kind of took it as it is, and I totally agree with you. There are some kind of immature moments on it you know living two lives like my name's danny phantom you know like okay i mean yeah that's fun though you know that's cute but um yeah and ultimately to me this this is one thing like this feels like he's writing this album about himself being such a mess right and falling apart but to me this album feels like it was written by someone who's very much not a mess and very in control like it's so perfect Mm. and calculated both sonically and lyrically. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that that, up again. I think I kind of like that it is a little different than your very abrasive SoundCloud rap. You know, it doesn't have the overdubbed bass lines or anything like that. It doesn't have a lot of distorted vocals in it, which, but I will say, you know, I love Waster. Waster is literally 2008 MySpace bedroom pop with those screams in the <laughs> background. I fucking love that song. And he dropped this as a Lucy in between Reaper and Ruiner, and he didn't say that it was going to be on the album. So I was really glad he put it on there. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a sheen over the record, but I feel like it separates it from the rest of you know from being just a blatant little peep ripoff because there are some moments kind of like uh i think it was in the chorus of reminiscer where he sounds a lot like little peep <laughs> like there's there's some blatant moments where it's like holy shit like this is really really fucking close yeah um but i'm kind of glad that sonically it's separated a bit i don't know if i want nothing nowhere <laughs> to just live in that abrasive soundcloud rap formula 
And not even just the Sonics, though. Just the the mentality of putting this record feels so put together. This just doesn't seem like somebody who's falling apart. You know what I mean? The guiding hand here, right? Feels but very, we're very yeah, calculated. I know, man. You know what I mean? That, that's no where I sort of to tell someone that they're that's not where falling I sort apart. of get to the point that I that where I just like I just I don't know if I buy it. There's just a certain distance I feel from the lyrics here. Um, and this is the type of album that like this will fucking bring you down. Like for depressed yeah. people out there, this is a record that'll bring you down. And it's like it's got you got a question. Is it worth it? You know, if it's if it's not legitimate. And um gotta say though, manipulative or not, you know, I don't know. Like Tyler says, we can never be sure. I like that it's a smart person at the helm with a clear direction. Like that much is is, is certain to me. This dude knows exactly what he's doing. And um, you know, that's why ultimately like I like this record. Yeah, I just I, uh... come, I come to uh you know, I, the other day I was at a seven out of ten, and I have since come up to a seven and a half out of ten. That's pretty if good legit. for an album. You if got legit. a lot of critique, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's problematic. Like I said, I like it, but it, it's fucking it's fucking problematic for me. Yeah, um, I just don't. If think... legit, seven point five out of ten. I just don't think. Uh... We, we or anyone is in any position to tell anyone else that they're not sad or they're not depressed. I, I but know. I totally get I your side, you know? It, should he be selling that? I, You know? I, I'm going to give him the benefit got, of the doubt. I'm going to give him I the got, benefit uh, of the doubt. I, I just, you know, I got alarm bells. And, you know, I've been dealing with this kind of music for a long time, so mm-hmm. I had, had to air it out. That's interesting. You you talk about, like, the sheen of the record. Tentacion's new single, Sad, which has just been blowing up, has no abrasiveness to it. That's where I, mean, I kind of feel that's like... A, that's, that's a club banger. Right, but I kind of feel like Nothing Nowhere is just like a step away from that, you know? I, but I again, think lyrically, that song just cuts like a razor blade, you know what I right, mean? Right, it cuts like Sad a knife, a and this is that's, more that's, like a butter butter knife blade yeah. album. Um, <laughs> Shouts to butter knife core, all right? Shouts to butter knife core. But um, uh, yeah, again, you know, like, he could be as vague as he want, and... and if yeah i don't i don't know i feel like we're in the near future we're gonna get a lot more of nothing nowhere's actual narrative out there he's gonna be getting more coverage gonna be doing interviews we're gonna actually see some sort of character building in the future and i will say i love what he's doing with that kind of selfie pose with the hand over the face you know he just looks like your typical you know bathroom selfie taken millennial and yeah. um, I think I think he's definitely nailing the image there. So I think the the narrative is coming over. Yeah, the that's summer. great. I just you know I just I, I don't know if I buy the narrative. My my industry plant alarm bells go off a little bit, and I just you know it's just uh, I don't know. He's he's been releasing music. I mean, obviously he's got a fantastic team behind him, and but he'd yeah. been releasing music for a long time before he got picked up. And like and, I said, uh, I'm not I'm not definitively saying like this is fake mm-hmm. i just say like i don't know like i you know what i mean i just jury's out for me uh first week sales Tyler Sharp, Ooh, what do you think of this record man it's not gonna be high there it's it's not gonna be high this is still a very he's still a lower level artist that has a lot of building ahead of him but 2018 is gonna be a really big year for him and well, i think 2019 to give you perspective he only has a hundred thousand less spotify listeners than the wonder years who just plopped out yeah, but they've got album. legacy behind them, man. They have their fan base. Nothing Nowhere doesn't have that yet. You know, he's building okay. it to get there. So where are you at? Ah, dude, I'm at like a 5,000 first week. Okay. Right around that. I was, Maybe a little less. I was around six to 7,000 first week. And then I just kind of like checked on some engagement. He's getting really big engagement, man. Like, especially on like Instagram and stuff. 
Mm. So uh, it just seems like I had to come up to 8K. I'm at 8,000. 8, I mean, that'll be yeah. that'll be super. I'll be very impressed. So, I mean, the streams are building. This is just another bridge. And, you know, yeah. you got to shout out the release campaign. You just adopted the hip hop paradigm, which thank right. God, like just throw the old <laughs> rock paradigm of right. release an album, two years tour, release an album, two years tour. He just I mean, he's released two albums in a matter of what, like six months. Yeah. And he's going to drop probably, you know, I don't know what they have planned for the rest of the year, but if they're smart, he's going to drop another one in the fall and he'll drop a Lucy over the summer and he'll just keep the ship rolling. Like that that's that's the new music industry right there. Yeah. So they're definitely doing it right. And like I said, I feel like we're going to get a lot of narrative building here over the near future and I think 2019 and 2020 are going to be big years for this guy. So I just ranted, you know, forever about my desire for more realness from this guy. Do you anything else you got to add Tyler Sharp? Since I took up so much airspace there. <laughs> yeah, really. <You laughs> Got my feelings out. Fucking, I was not expecting that. No, I don't think so. I'm really excited for Nothing right. Nowhere's future. And I wasn't at this time last yeah. year. Me too, no. And I like this record. And, uh, you know, it's got bangers on it. And ultimately, that is what matters in the end. Yep. But um, we got to move on, Tyler, to our next story. Mayday Parade have signed with Rise Records. And they have left their longtime label, Fearless Records. Um, is this for a new album? Did they they announced the new album, right? I don't think they announced the album yet. I, I don't think they announced it, but I think uh, it's definitely like it's assumed coming. that yeah, it's like, coming. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in the press release. Okay. okay, so I feel like we're in agreement here, Tyler. So I'm just going to come out and say it. Bad move. <laughs> I'm very interested to know what is going on at BMG's offices. Um, okay, BMG, the uh, major label owner of Rise Records, um, right? The quote from the band signing was, Rise has done a fantastic job with their projects. I gotta point out, Rise is fucking terrible for pop punk bands. They've killed them all. Polar Bear Club, Transit, Man Overboard, Knuckle Puck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even they're, even they kind of botched that at the drive-in, you know, comeback. Like, uh, the Rise, is, they kind know. of have fucked, they, they've kind of fucked up Paris, too, which was yeah, their shit Yeah, they definitely did that. Yeah, they definitely Yeah, you know what up. I mean? Rise yeah. is not had a good track record as of late and historically has been a terrible place for pop punk bands. I, I, I don't like this move. I, I just really want to know what's going on in the offices of BMG right now because like so Rise as a whole after it got bought up by BMG and we talked about it a lot last year on the show they went through this string of signing legacy bands. They signed fucking um, Acceptance at the drive-in American Nightmare um there was a couple other bands that they brought on too. Just pure legacy bands. As soon as they put the videos up on their YouTube page, they all flopped. No one looked at them. I will say that the At The Drive-In album actually did like 14 or 15,000 first week. And I do enjoy a couple songs off that album. I felt like At The Drive-In fans would just enjoy that record. It was here and gone though, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, there wasn't much <laughs> longevity there. Um, and now we see them pick up Bless The Fall and... Now we see them pick up Mayday Parade. Are they just picking up the only bands left in the scene? <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's like, well, Mayday, their last record, Black Lines. Oh, my God. Like, don't even get me started on this fucking record. Um, you know, like, um, you know, this was right. It's funny because this was during the new hype when brand it was like, what, 2014, 2015, when like peak brand new is coming back. Maybe we don't know hype, you know, and every, even though you hadn't put out new music, all anyone was talking about was was brand new and, and Mayday Parade decided at that moment they were going to make their dark record. You now, like the, nobody wanted a fucking dark Mayday Parade record, but they decided to and uh, they paid hard 
they saw a huge drop in sales. I think the what, record what did before that, do that first week like fifteen or I think maybe fourteen thousand first okay. week, and okay. the record before that had done like thirty three thousand first right, week, right. and it was like so you know the band are gonna pivot hard back to that old Mayday pop punk sound. You know what I mean? They're gonna be happy Mayday. Nobody goes to Mayday shows for dark shit. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're going to be pivoting hard back to that old sound, and and Rise has just never pushed that kind of sound. I know. They just they don't they don't have the audience for it. Rise was never the neon label when they're all the other that. labels were doing neon. Rise yeah. was just launching electronic core. Yeah, that's what they were doing. Um, and, and, and even this Rise, like who are launching at the drive-in and accept it. Like this is just <laughs> yeah. they're not. It's just I don't I don't know. Right. I have I don't think it's a good move. They and, should have probably stayed with Fearless. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, just they're just on the downslope. I don't. There's no yeah. saving this band. I mean, at, you know? at this point, it's like they still draw well at shows. People still care about the old stuff. They could kind of do what the main did. You know what I mean? The main have found their legitimate path to su- to sort of you know sustained success. They I feel like Mayday needed their American candy when the main dropped their American candy. Right. You know, like they needed <laughs> yeah. kind of their leveler album Ooh. like two cycles ago. Yeah, and instead, the was, they've spent the last it, two years touring on a fucking their first fucking EP for it. Who does a fucking 10 year tour for an EP, man? Like, yeah, I mean, it's because the, the last record tanked so terribly. I know, they you needed know, money. I mean, so they, they did the something. EP and the first full length and they did them both without Jason as far as I'm aware. I don't I don't think he was involved whatsoever no. in that. Um the only way to bring hype back to this band would to get would be to get Jason back and just write Lesson in Romantics part 2. Yeah, I just uh And that's not going to happen. I don't see Rise pulling it off. Any I mean, other thoughts here, T-Sharp? I I don't know. I see Mayday doing like what? 10k silver. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Um next story. Under Oath, uh, following up from last week, Under Oath's new album, Erase Me, came out, and 30 Seconds to Mars, America came out. And, um, bam, um, Under Oath did about, what, 22,000 copies first week? Yeah, 21 traditional, about 22 with streaming. Okay, and 30 Seconds to Mars did 62,000 copies first week. Um, 54 just, traditional. 54 traditional, and 62 total SBS. So, uh, let's just start with 30 Seconds to Mars, get out of the way quickly. That's fucking huge. Like, okay, so not only did they, it, it would have been good if they stayed around Love, Lost, Faith, Dreams. They're back up to fucking This Is War numbers, back in 60k, you know what I mean? Just right. As, as much success as you could ask for, um, I think, you know, and got a semi-decent streaming bump, you know, which you usually don't see from fans. Super impressive. I was kind of expecting it just because of the hype from but Walk on I was, Water. I was thinking more like 50 and I was going to call that a rap and a victory, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, definitely, definitely. I wasn't expecting them to get close to um, This Is War again because This Is War did 69. That was their biggest yeah. first week of their career. Back up in the 60s again, it's like fucking... To see a band claw, a rock band, having increasing sales is just nutty. Yeah, I, well, I, honestly, dude, like I don't call them a rock band anymore. I know we they're, can categorize them, but they're not. They're, they are successfully pivoting to... Top forty Walk on EDM water is a rock pop, song. dude. It's not a fucking rock song. No, it's not. Get the fuck out of here. Rock song. That's a no. pure rock song. It's not at all. Oh Rescue my me god. Rescue me is a blend. 
of EDM rock. You got guitars the whole fucking time. They are still they're a rock band with half that fucking record. Last half is all rock, dude. It's, it's, oh my god, EDM and rock. They are pop U two. That's what they're saying. They are not pop U two. They are better than U two, and they're still making emo music. I uh, like absolutely. They're better than U two, and yes, they're still making emo music. But it is not. You can't call this band a rock band anymore. They got guitars everywhere, man. They're on all rock. Radio. make you a rock band they're doing good at all rock radio at guitars they're jared singing they're dabbing they're not a full they're not it's not like what five sauce has done you know what i mean they're still making they got rock songs on their record no man uh yeah I'm man i to disagree record. with you i don't i don't i don't think having guitars on your song makes you a rock band dude half the record is a rock record no i don't think it is i think you're like so no electronics i think you're so wrong but the song called great wide open dude it's a fucking it's that's a worship song that's not even like that shouldn't even be on the record that's not a they're they're not a rock band anymore but semantics aside congrats to 30 seconds to mars i like could hats the fuck off right i couldn't be more impressed and i'm pretty sure side and this is you know the band finally got off version records and they're on interscope now and you know major label switches don't always go that well and this this looked like it it just went fucking perfect so shouts congratulations quick sidebar it looks like they're a duo now Oh, just just Jared and Shannon. Yeah, it's the Leto Bros, man. Well, that's good, man. Like you know, one the less guy they gotta pay. Of, the, the duo <laughs> is kind of uh, in vogue right now. So I uh, know. Are we looking at like the next the 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 reputable chain smokers? Is that what the right? Seconds the to reputable Mars are chain, the rock chain smokers. All right. Oh, um, shut under the fuck up. Just, all right, under us <laughs> did twenty two thousand first week. Uh, that's uh, that's a win. Absolute win. I mean, they. What did Disambiguation do? Twenty four. Twenty four. So they stuck around their last record after being gone for eight years plus. That is, you know, and not being gone eight years, but eight years last record. That is, that's good. Um, the next key component here is, you know, if you're a rock band and you can sell over twenty thousand copies first week, you matter a lot right now mm-hmm. because those are hard to find. You know what I mean? So that just proves that, you know, Under Oath had success with this record. The other component, though, you need as a rock band like Under Oath is you need the single to stick. And that's that's what we're looking for next is, is the single Rapture going to stick or not? Every day it either sticks, it either stays at what it was before on rock radio or it jumps up one or two spots. We're up to 27 right now. We were at 31 at this point last week. It's the first thing I check every single morning when I till, wake up. Until my guys in Escape the Fate blow right by it. No, dude, That's fuck 3, that for shit. Man. Dude, get that out of here, man. They're at they're um, at number 30 right now. They had that crazy bump, and they're still up 300% in plays from this point last week, but that thing's going to so, fall right off. I'm still of the mind that Rapture is not going to make it. Like, I still haven't heard it on rock radio. I've been listening. It's not it's still inactive. Up rotation you know it's got to get into like the top 15 you know before we're really going to start hearing it and i i just i don't know if it's going to make it i think it's probably going to have to be the next single they're probably going to push the next one yeah i mean you think you still you still are of the mind that this song has a chance i certainly have more confidence in rapture than i do wake me um (laughs) is that that guaranteed to be the next single i mean it it that's what was on new music friday when the album dropped you know Mm. that that's the other song on the record that they had uh God, I can't remember his name. The Nashville rock radio songwriter. No, Wake Me just almost fits better at rock radio than Rapture. Like, it's such a bad song, man. <laughs> it, you know. 
I, I don't know. I like race. that. You know what that, I mean? Like it's, it's one I, of those it's things. It's more it stock. Kind of, it's more choppy and stock and like, you know. I just think it's genuinely a bad song. And honestly, I know that it's just like recency bias and, and Stockholm Syndrome, but like I'm, I sing along to Rapture whenever it comes on when I'm listening to the record. I just okay. I don't know. I there's that song, man. There's, still a, there's a vibe to it. So I if, think that cooks that hook is solid. My question for you if is: Under Oath, Okay, go ahead. If Under Oath get one of these singles to stick, this will have been a big success. You know, I mean, you got the big first week, and ten percent justifies the next cycle. Yeah, if you get one of one of these singles to stick, whether it's Rapture or the next one, that means your record's gonna start cooking. They're gonna actually start selling more units in the first week, and um, it could it could be big for them. Um, I. I I still, I'm still not totally there. I gotta see some movement, you know. I gotta see a single get in the top 15 or something. So, but, um, while we're on the topic of rock radio, have you heard the Fever 333 at all? Because uh, the boys are up to number 18. I've not, I've not heard them on rock radio. Okay, yet. well, they are absolutely coming with that Roadrunner money. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, because everybody thinks, you know, raging. They're the raging against the machine. Together. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, rage, you got back together. But I didn't know it. You know, the the mid 2000s youth group kid in me that will always live on has to shout out the fact that there is under oath and an ex-member of the chariot on yeah. rock radio rotation in 2018 yeah, it's cool it's always shouts cool, yeah. shouts the solid yeah, state you know, records. rock radio it's that kind of thing so much of rock radio is taken up by like them replaying nirvana right metallica disturbed and papa roach that like there's only this small space for new music and it's kind of like you don't really get hurt on rock radio much until you're in the top 10, you right. know, like once you're in the top 10 is when you're in solid rotation. But, um, okay. We got to move on to our, a uh, bunch of music, you know, as this scene continues to <laughs> fall from grace and, uh, and consolidate with the times, um, a bunch of musicians got whacked this week, dude. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, taking back Sunday, first off split with founding member and guitarist, Eddie Ray's. Um, Reyes or Reyes or Reyes? I think it's Reyes. I think it's Reyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the band, uh, they didn't really elaborate at all on why he left. Um, I saw some things floating around that, you know, maybe there were some problems with him. Um, <laughs> some of his own issues. I don't want to get too into it, you know, because I don't, don't want right. to do the rumor mill thing because nothing is confirmed. But I, I heard some things around and the band were pretty quiet you know regarding his departure yeah. but it, it's a bummer to see you know that was kind of that was kind of the sell you know when taking back sunday kind of came back with that warner brothers uh right your label sort of like that one uh was, was it self-titled it was kind of the sell wasn't it was all it? original members are back okay yeah 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 it is self-titled that was the one with um uh-huh. what was new again new again was the uh the one that everyone hated right that came came so after uh, that was the now. one that came after that yeah okay. everyone hated that but then they got the whole original band back together with john nolan you know and so that was kind of like the sell of that that self-titled record was the original band back together so it's kind of a bummer to see him leave yeah definitely that him him as just a uh as a person and as a face as yeah. is just synonymous with taking as back sunday face. and like i'm in the nicest way possible, like him just like being like a shorter, like pudgier kind of guy in the band. Like I always liked that. Totally. And, you know what I mean? Like he just like because like he wasn't like every other skinny mm-hmm. emo boy fucking mm-hmm. out there in 2006. He gave the band kind of like he was kind of a cool guy and like 
just that gave it gave the band kind of some, some character identity not having, yeah you know, your, your typical little emo skinny boy with with straight bangs it was cool to see him in the band and um you know but uh yeah wish him the best with whatever's next okay so next up to bat Beartooth split with uh guitar guitarist taylor lumley um he said he quit Beartooth to focus more on life and his art and i think this is complete horseshit um <laughs> total horseshit um why would you leave Beartooth? For, first off focus more on life and art when you're already making art in Beartooth. Um, why leave when you're at Cushy Red Bull Records, which is like one of the best record labels for a band to be on. The band is having more success than they've ever had. You know, new record selling really fucking good over the last one. And they've got singles at Rock Radio. And it's about to fucking happen again. You know what I mean? And and Caleb, who owns the band, controls the band, is 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 universally known as a very good and easy guy to work with. Mm-hmm. So I, I think something, my speculation here is something definitely went wrong with Taylor. And uh, this is not as clean and pretty as he puts it yeah i mean i'm definitely on that side it unfortunately complete speculation obviously but i yeah. i would assume that it comes down to money especially when you have one guy that owns the whole band you know and the rest of the members are just kind of in the backdrop of things and Beartooth is in that weird situation where it's obviously caleb's band but these other members have actually yeah. been permanent like you have uh oshi or ashi sorry if i'm pronouncing the name wrong who was in like city lights and like they him and taylor have kind of become like synonymous with totally totally so i i think it would if i had to guess it would come down to money but obviously you know if if he says that they're uh if it was his choice to quit then you know we gotta leave it at that but yeah dude i mean i I just I just focus more on my life and art. You know, it just yeah, it's just yeah. so I mean that's a, such a so stock response, and it's when not right. It, it don't 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 take these musicians at face value. No, people. not at all, never. But does that make Beartooth a three piece? You know, everybody's a three piece now. Spin <laughs> it down to a duo. Fuck it. Um, you know, it's funny though. I don't think this will affect the band. No, so, not at all. You know, not you know all. it's the Caleb show. And um, this will have little, Absolutely. little, no impact. Right. In my opinion. Definitely. Uh, moving on. Uh, next up, Fall Universe guitarist Christian Thompson left the band. And uh, he straight up called it over irreconcilable differences, which I appreciate. Because that's basically saying, like, yo, we just don't get along and I'm out. You know what I mean? Right. And and it's no secret, Ronnie is an extremely difficult person to work with. Um, he is the type of person that will go from zero to 100 on you in 10 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. one minute he's your best friend, the next minute he's your fucking enemy. Like, just working with people who've worked with him, being around the dude in the industry, there's a reason everyone's either left or being kicked out of his van. You know what I mean? And um, it's the Ronnie Radke show, ultimately. It doesn't matter, you know? Um, they lost Jackie, who was, you know, arguably the most important member besides Ronnie. And, well, and that didn't right. even really, fade, you know, right, totally. But this, so right off the bat, I was, I thought this was the last other original member in the band. Cause I'm not no, completely no, yeah. he, familiar. He was, he was Jackie's replacement. Right. And I don't exactly. even think official member. He might've just been another touring member. Totally. Totally. So what, this kind of, I just go back to what I said when they dropped that Lucy in uh what was it february or march dude phase the band out we wouldn't even have to deal with any of this 
if if they just phase the ban out and make Ronnie falling in reverse because that's what it is. So just focus on building falling in reverse as Ronnie well, Radke. Don't put the rest of the bands in the music videos. Don't don't include them in anything. Pay them as touring members. That's all you got to fucking do. Well, look, I mean, Ryan Seaman left, Jackie left. Fuck, God, there's just been so many departures. Mm-hmm. and they even, even I was surprised when bassist Ron Ficaro left because him and Ronnie were so tight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That one just took me off. All right, he's coming. But, like, at this point, it's just Ronnie and Derek Jones. Those are the only OG right. members left. His rhythm guitarist, Derek. So, you know, how long does Derek last? Derek and Ron are so tight. I just couldn't. I could never see Ronnie getting rid of him, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But Derek it's is dwindled definitely... down to one one OG member. Yeah, Derek is, again, like, Derek is kind of synonymous. Derek was in the band before Ronnie uh, Dale. Right, exactly, <laughs> dude. He's kind of synonymous. That face is kind of synonymous with Falling yeah. in Reverse. But, you know... He's cool I, dude, too. Again, according to Falling in Reverse's Wikipedia page, permanent members in the band, there's three of them. So they're officially a trio now. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah. And then they Who's just the got other, the drummer. That, that drummer guy's a replacement for Ryan Seaman. So it's like he's not even really a permanent member. So it's, yeah. Yeah, they just, a, they got Ronnie on lead vocals and piano, Derek on rhythm guitar, co-vocals, studio drums, synthesizer, electronic drums and samples, yeah. and Zach Sandler on bass and co-lead vocals since 2015. Yeah, who, 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 yeah, who are all these people? I don't know. <laughs> like, um quickly uh if you look at the used and their social media accounts um and their website and stuff justin uh formerly of Sayosin, the guitarist who replaced quinn in the used is no longer listed anywhere so it looks like justin is out of the used not much to talk about there but just wanted to point that one out quickly while just, we're we're showing the, all of these band members who got whacked this just week. another casualty sh- what man. a bloodbath there's fucking game of thrones up in here this just week. another casualty oh my God. Okay. All right. Before we go, Tyler Sharp, we got to hit our pop story. Nicki Minaj, the queen of rap, is back. She dropped uh, two new singles, uh, Chun Li, and is it Barbie Tings or Barbie Things? Barbie Tings. If man. I'm saying Tings, I want to make sure that the, I'm tings. supposed to say Tings. As far okay. as I Barbie know, it's Tings. All right. Um, what do you think of these songs, Tyler Sharp? I am not about them. It is <laughs> not what Nicki needed to do. Uh, I, I assume right now they're just kind of throwing darts at the board. My main thing, the only thing I have written down in my notes is where are the hooks? These <laughs> hooks, right. if you could even call them that, are absolute garbage. I know these songs are just diss songs. Of course she was going to go after Cardi. Of course there's drama as soon as, as soon as Nikki releases new music. Of course she right. drops it in the interview where she releases the new music at. I'm fucking over it. She need take me back to Super Bass, take me back to Pink Friday. Do I think Cardi has longevity in her? As long as she keeps making the right moves, definitely. Mm. But Nikki, this is not what you need to be doing right now. I'm still waiting for the bangers. Where are okay, you at so, with it, man? So yeah, I agree with you. This is a terrible move. Um, you know, what we needed from Nikki at this point, we needed the summer banger, you know. We need super bass or starships or something you know and um really what what i want is i want pop star nick back you know what i mean like that roman album was so fucking fantastic like this weird blend of like almost rap meets lady gaga you know what i mean you even got the red one shout out at the beginning of starships it was just like such a cool time when she was sort of dominating both rap and dance pop and um She's chose to come back, you know, and at a weird time. It's a bad move because right now is the time of Cardi B. 
and they're having their little drama. But, you know, Cardi just put out her debut album, which is all anyone's talking about. It's the biggest fucking time. And these Nicki songs come out, and instead of being just pop bangers, you know, like you said, they're just very, they're very straightforward, bare bones rap tracks. And uh, lyrically, it just feels, you know, she's boasting about, you know, being the best, being the queen, fuck all these yeah. other people. And it, it feels very defensive. You know, at a time when Cardi is rising, it feels like Nikki is being defensive and reactionary. You know what I mean? And um, it's almost like, like for a while there, because you know the pink print is kind of where I fell off. The Anaconda video, a lot of people so did. gimmicky. Mm-hmm. You know, it, she, it, it was almost like she got kind of comfortable and lazy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just put out an edgy Anaconda video. I'll do American Idol. And I'm a star, and it doesn't matter anymore. And now that another female rapper is having her moment and is huge now all of a sudden nikki's like oh shit like i gotta do something and like the cardi album um just came out it did two hundred fifty-five thousand copies first week nikki's last album did two hundred forty-four thousand copies first week you know right. she, her sales have been on the decline since pink friday which did three hundred seventy-five thousand copies first week so cardi is winning right now like cardi's the queen of rap right now there's just no question about it um getting down to the songs all this aside, I actually do. I, I do like the songs as rap songs. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not what I want. But like, I think Chun Li. Do you know? Do you know anything about the character Chun Li? No, I don't. Play, okay, so Street Fighter was a big game when I was a kid, mm, and Chun Li okay. is was a character in Street Fighter. She's this gorgeous Japanese warrior princess type. Who, um, God, anytime I play the game, she could do this thing where she would jump upside down and do a helicopter kick, and it would fuck you up every <laughs> fucking time. So okay. I think the song is Nikki kind of trying to say she's basically Chun Li and she'll kick anyone's ass. But um, I like. I think the song's good. It's it's catchy. It's hard. Um, I, I just yeah, don't about, think there's I'm any. I'm about a seven out of ten on that one. I love okay. rap song. Okay. Um, Barbie Tings. This one cooks really good on on a, on a big sound system. Again, it's not. It's not um it's not like the pop glorious Nikki we want, but I think it's a pretty good like hard battle rap anthem. I like it. And um like this is the kind of song it's so hard and over the top and I really like just the way the bass rumbles. I like the percussion. You almost got like that that slapping percussion. It's almost like wood on wood when you hear that that those drums hitting. It, it's really effective as far as her bars go and this is that it's such a hard song like i can you're gonna see it you're totally gonna see it like the next like amy schumer or melissa mccarthy like girl (laughs) comedy movie you know what i mean like the next ghostbusters for example like you're gonna hear this song playing ironically as the the next the ghostbusters are all suiting up and getting their guns together and there's gonna be a slow-mo shot of them walking through the door Mm -hmm. while this song's Mm -hmm. playing in the background that's what this song is gonna be and that's how it's gonna ride but i like it i'm gonna 7.5 out of 10 yeah very disappointed but still, I like the songs as rap songs. My my main takeaway is that we know Nikki has bars. We didn't need these songs to prove that. Of course, of course. And I just don't think there's any longevity here. No, I agree with you. Like, she's not even in the top 20 or anything on Spotify. It hasn't right now. made much it's of a dent. They debuted yeah, at not... like 85 and 93 on the Hot 100 chart. It's just not what she needed to do. When Cardi is as big as she's ever been, you know, you gotta have bangers, and she chose to come out with rap songs. And that's why I'm just judging them as as rap songs from a random rapper. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not really. I'm just. I, you can't judge them as Nicki because this just this isn't Nicki's fullest potential. It's sad, man. I miss. You know, I, I think Super Pace is one of the best songs ever written. Right, right. And I, I miss that era. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted that. It was fun. It was. Did fun. you hear? Did you hear her collaboration with Young Thug? Uh, anybody? No, I didn't. 
Yeah, so she dropped at the same time, weird move, she dropped a collaboration with Young Thug, who is like the heir apparent to Lil Wayne. So if you're into Lil Wayne, you'll like Young Thug. I really fucking loved it. It's really, really? good. Um, yeah, if, if you've liked any of Young Thug's music, you'll be all about this. Um, Nikki's verse is really good. Young Thug just kills it. Um, his lyric on the song is, uh, I never kill anybody, but I got something to do with that body. Like, it's really, <laughs> he really kind of goes there in a way. Um, I think it's a great song. It's an 8 out of 10 for me, so I'd recommend it. Wow. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still looking forward to this cycle for Nikki, and literally all it takes is one banger, and she's right, right. back in the game. You know, uh, just, I just feel like she's stunted herself. So she's much, absolutely so, stunted oh, herself. Like, like she so, fell off hard with doing so all those features and stuff. And these two oh. songs were absolutely the wrong move. But I feel like if she yeah, could drop a Spotify core banger, I feel like she might, you know, if, if she could get momentum on Spotify, she's right back in the game, man. Right. You know, it's like Harvey with um, Bodak Yellow, which is a really hard song. And it's kind of like his Nikki trying to do that with Barbie Tings. Like, make a blow up with a really hard song. But, you know, that Cardi thing, that was just lightning in a bottle, you know? Yeah. You, you need a pop banger, I think. And it just, it does, it feels like she's stunted herself here permanently. I don't know, you know, because like you said, on the last cycle, after Rummy Ma attacked her, her response to that and all those singles just didn't really, you know, nobody, it just didn't There's really no care. longevity. The yeah, last yeah, few yeah. years, all Nikki's been rapping about is how good she is. You right. know, and it's like, and show she... us how good you are. You right. Know what I mean? Totally. We already knew you were good. Like, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's been a tough as a fan. Yeah, definitely. And she had the Ariana moment, you know, with Side to Side. But... but- that was definitely but, Ariana's moment, not Ariana's Nikki. Moment, yeah. Right, right, right. So I, I, I'm still, I'm still holding out hope that we could have a few bangers here. But I'm definitely yeah. on the, definitely on the cynical side here that I think yeah. Nikki might be. It done. just seems like the momentum is moving away from. Yeah, her. yeah. You know what I mean, definitely... it's just it's tough. and it's tough because you don't want to be like, oh, there can only be one. Not at all. Right? One female rap star. You wish there could be multiple, but these two are at each other's throats. They're, you That's know what I mean? The problem. Yeah. If you've watched, Cardi is shading the fuck out of Nikki in these interviews, and mm-hmm. Nikki straight up is calling Cardi out in the interviews. So it's like, we didn't ask for. Nobody wanted this war. I didn't. We didn't ask <laughs> right, for it. it right. They're they're doing it, you know. And whether it's to sell records or not, it, it's not making Nikki look good right now. And Cardi is riding high. And, yeah. uh, and we, we didn't really get to talk about Cardi last week, but I, I do like the Cardi record. I think it's, I think it's okay. And she's 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 set up really nice with that I like it song with the Hispanic like the Latin pop sort of thing. That if they push that as a single like in the beginning of summer, that's going to be one of the songs of the summer. Man, you really think so? I felt like there was a oh, lot yeah. of filler on that Cardi record. Yeah. I think she definitely delivered I mean, yeah, as much as she great. needed to. Um, she, Yeah, I think she definitely delivered as much as she needed to, but I felt yeah. like that album as a whole, like I was kind of at like a, like a, between a six and a half and a seven yeah. altogether. The, I mean, yeah, the good that's, tracks that's are kind of, great, but there's yeah, a lot that's of... that's kind of where I was. I just, I felt like she had enough singles on there. And I yeah. think that... That I like it, that that Latin mm. pop one is just specifically set up to be a big summer hit. I wish I they just would have used the Ozuna feature because I feel like that Latin pop track's way better than that one. But what song is that? The she did a Lucy with a Latin pop uh, artist called Ozuna and she yeah. was featured on it and it's oh my gosh, it's so great. Yeah. This yeah. I like a song is about to go hard at summer parties. I like, don't know, the, man. It, I don't really it's like it. Go- it's going to go off. I, I didn't like it at first either, but you could just tell it, it's going to go off. Right. And she's got some other single potentials on there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I hope it Here goes. we are, Nicki Minaj story, and we're talking about Cardi. We are, we are the problem. <laughs> we are the problem. We are the problem. That's All right, um, that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars, and we will love you. If you have any questions for the show, send them in to note scene at gmail.com. We will see you next week. Bye.